Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Today we start keeping score. Everything before was prediction. Just like all the people predicting who's going to win the next football game in the in the playoffs. Congratulations, by the way, to the Detroit Lions. And uh, I believe I saw that they were very worried about riots and such after the big victory in the football game. And uh, they were worried, you know, people were going to go riot and burn down Detroit. And then it would kind of look like Detroit. And they didn't want that. So, um, right. So everything is everything in the 2024 presidential election was prediction. And now we start keeping score. Now it counts. So I'm pretty interested to see how it's all going to shake out. We have the, uh, as you know, Limbaugh called it, the Hawkeye Cockeye. It is tonight. It starts tonight. And first off, the Cockeye, caucuses, caucuses, Cockeye, right? They, they're a mess. It's like the biggest thing. They're just, they're, they're, they're a mess. They have been at least for the last like three cycles. Um, 2012, the Republican Party of Iowa. Do you remember this? 2012, Mitt Romney, the winner by eight votes. Over Rick Santorum. And that gave Mitt Romney the big mo. As George H.W. Bush called it. The big mo. After he won the Iowa caucus in 1980. Yeah, he didn't win. He became vice president. But uh, yeah, Reagan ended up winning all of that, right? So the big mo, the momentum. You get the big momentum going. So it's all about... Narrative building, because as I always say, elections are about what media make them, right? And Mitt Romney is sort of the poster child for that, because Romney running in 2012 against an incumbent president, Barack Obama, mm -mm -mm, and Obama at the time had 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 an economy that by historical uh, factors, he never should have won re-election. No sitting president had ever won re-election with an economy as bad as what Obama was running for re-election during. Yet he did. Why? Because it became Mitt Romney cuts people's hair. He gives women cancer. He's got binders of women. He wants to kill Big Bird. He put a dog in a dog crate on top of a car during a car trip. And then the 47%, which, by the way, was accurate. The 47% comment was true. And everybody, you know, clutched their pearls, gasped in horror. But what he said was accurate about the 47%, that there's 47% that are never going to vote for a Republican, 47% never going to vote for a Democrat. And so you're fighting over the middle. That's what he was talking about. Anyway, 2012, Mitt Romney declared the winner by eight votes over Rick Santorum. Except actually Rick Santorum won. 
By the next morning, Santorum's campaign was hearing from county chairmen about miscounts. The state party ultimately retracted its call. Santorum had actually won by 34 votes, but we didn't know that for another two weeks. Reed Epstein, writing at the New York Times the other day about this. 2012, this debacle was the first of three consecutive botched Iowa caucus nights. In 2016, the race between Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton was so close, both of them said that they won, and they both had a legitimate case. The Sanders campaign said he had earned the most votes, while Clinton won the most delegates. Remember this? With the, uh, with the superdelegates. Remember all of that? They still have them, by the way. The uh, Democrats still have these superdelegates, because that's what democracy is all about. Some people's votes counting more than others. Right. This is why this is why I call them the Democrat Party. Okay, because it's not about democracy. They weight people's votes more heavily based on status in the party, whether you're an elected official or if you are um, the head of one of their, you know, many, many, many caucuses, which are oftentimes centered around race or gender, ethnicity, sexual orientation, right? Identity politics. They create these little. Uh, caucuses inside the party, and then they get extra juice. They they get superdelegate status. But the 2016 race, the caucus in uh, the, on the Democrat side was so bad, they basically stopped doing it. Right? They, have, they have now ceased doing this. I'll, I'll explain this in a minute. But the Sanders campaign said that he had earned the most votes. Clinton won the most delegates. The Iowa Democrat Party's reporting process had no way to verify how many people had voted for each candidate. And then, fast forward four years later, the mother of all meltdowns. The caucus reporting mechanism failed. Phones got overloaded at the Iowa Democrat headquarters, and at the end of the night and into the next day, nobody actually knew who won. It took until the end of the week for it to become clear that Pete Buttigieg had won the most Iowa delegates. Instead of news cycles about his victory, though, the stories were all about the logistical disaster. And so he didn't get the little bit of a boost, the, the booty gig boost, as they call it. They don't actually call it that. I just made it up. But they could have they could have called it that. But he didn't get the big boost to the big mo. Right? He he didn't just like Santorum. He won, but everybody touted Romney as the winner. And so Romney gets all of that halo. All of the positive spin. Oh, he's got the momentum now. And that, that becomes the focus of the horse race coverage. And that's what this all is. See, the thing about the Iowa caucus, to me at least, is it's a measurement of whether or not a campaign is able to organize a ground game. That, that's what I am interested to see. Can they organize a ground game? Because that's really what the caucus comes down to. So in the aftermath of the Democrats' 2020 meltdown, Joe Biden uh, removed Iowa as the first state, the first you know, er, uh, caucus state. Iowa Republicans are feeling confident in their ability to count, which is always a good sign. I mean, I don't know if they can. It's just they're confident in their ability to count and to report results in a timely fashion. 
During a video conference with reporters last week, party officials said that they had tested their reporting system and were confident that there would be no repeat of what the Democrats saw in 2020. And whatever the results of the uh, caucus, the Republican Party of Iowa officials say they will not be declaring a winner. They're going to leave that to the news media. So what could go wrong there? Brilliant. Brilliant idea. Amy Walter at Cook Political Report, cookpolitical.com. She says these are the four things she's going to be watching for. Number one, does Trump get to 50%, right? This is the expectation game, right? You know what that's about, right? Where you don't want to come in and and underperform expectations because even if you end up doing well, even if you win, but you don't win by what was expected, the margin isn't as big as everybody thought it was going to be, then it's almost seen as a loss. Like, why did you only win by seven points? You were supposed to win by 12, you know, that, that kind of thing. Again, horse race coverage, narrative crafting. But this is one of the things, like if Trump comes in at 50%, as he has suggested he should, he's he has said that he thinks he's going to beat the record for the biggest margin of victory in a Republican caucus. So he's setting high expectations. And if he doesn't meet them, I mean, his supporters aren't going to care, but um, but the people who craft the narratives might. Does Haley, here's the next question, does Haley, Nikki Haley, does she make inroads with voters outside of her natural base? No, the answer is that no, definitely not. Um, well, because her base is never Trumpers, independents, and Democrats. That's that's who's supporting her in the caucus numbers, in these polls and all this stuff. That that's that's who these people are. They're they're being a Republican for a day. Number three, what does turnout look like? You've heard this by now, right? All of the really really cold weather. And uh, number four. Will Chris Christie's New Hampshire exit fundamentally change the race? And the answer to that is no. Also, because Haley's coalition, it, 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 she's not bringing on Trump supporters, right? She's not bringing on people that, uh, you know, but for Donald Trump's presence, like she would get those votes. They don't like her. And when Trump told them that now you can not like her too, they didn't, then they really didn't like her. Unfortunately, they might have to flip that position. I'm not sure you're aware. You probably are. Um, there is a rumor in the swamp. A rumor around the swamp is that the deal has already been done. The deal is already made. Trump is going to name Haley as his veep. I don't know if it's true. I'm just letting you know this is the rumor. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay, so what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? 
Let's talk about the rumor. The rumor. I think it's. I think the and rumor are both capitalized. Okay. This is from a guy named Genius Parks, who sounds really smart, I have to say. But no idea if it's credible or not, but this is the rumor around the D.C. area, inside the Beltway. Okay? Why you're seeing all of the Capitol Hill endorsements coming out right now? Mike Lee. Um, I saw Dan Bishop endorse Trump yesterday. Um why are these all coming out right now? Well, it could be that they just want to get in before any single vote is cast as a loyalty test because Trump does enjoy putting people you know, to those types of tests. But there may be a different reason. Um, this comes from a contact in South Florida who said last week, and now he's, he believes it's confirmed because of Rubio's endorsement of Trump, It looks like what the source had described was accurate or could be accurate. Essentially, the rumor is that the Trump-Haley ticket is a done deal. Both sides behind the scenes have discussed and hashed out the agreement. The expected announcement will supposedly take place sometime after the New Hampshire primary, but before the South Carolina primary. Internal polling has Haley finishing a distant third in Iowa and lagging far behind in New Hampshire with a campaign suspension coming shortly after the New Hampshire primary. The Trump campaign does not want to get into a one-on-one with DeSantis. For this reason, they started talking to Haley about the Veep slot. She would endorse Trump, and then he would name her as his running mate prior to the South Carolina primary. One of the things... Trump and Haley discussed in the agreement, their camps discussed were were contingencies involving Trump's legal matters that could eventually force him out of the race. Under the agreement, Trump would give his full support of delegates behind Haley at the convention with a supporting speech, right? So if for some reason he can't make it through to the November election, he gets convicted, he's getting sentenced to jail or something, I don't know. But this is the contingency. If he if he ends up having the most delegates and he's coasting to the nomination, he would then hand it off to Nikki Haley. This agreement has apparently leaked out on Capitol Hill with guys like Rand Paul, Mike Lee, Marco Rubio, Rick Scott, Ted Cruz, all being aware of it. It appears this had something to do with... Um, Rand Paul's launching of the hashtag campaign last week, Never Nikki, right? For that matter, there's been enormous pressure on Ted Cruz to endorse Donald Trump. Cruz is holding out hope that DeSantis pulls off the Iowa victory. Otherwise, he is expected to endorse Trump next Tuesday or Wednesday, or this Tuesday, so tomorrow or Wednesday. But he's definitely aware of the Trump-Haley agreement. The RNC appears to be in the know as well. They're interested in a side plan that in the event Trump is forced out of the race for legal reasons, they want Haley to pick a female vice president, thus creating the first ever all-female major party ticket in history. And this leads us to the attacks on Vivek. Vivek Ramaswamy, right? 
all of a sudden, Trump is now attacking Vivek, who is like in fourth place, right? Why would you be going after Vivek? Vivek has been nothing but loyal to Trump. He doesn't he doesn't criticize Donald Trump. He's he's kind of like the the safe Trump. He's like I'm going to be the America first guy if Trump can't make it. <laughs> you know, if Trump if Trump can't get to November, then I'm your guy. Which was essentially what Ted Cruz was playing back in 2016. Right? Ted Cruz allowed Donald Trump to insult his wife and then turned around and endorsed the guy. Um, and he was hoping while the insults were flying that Trump would burn out, that he'd flame out. See, everybody's waiting for this Trump candidacy, like for it not to work somehow, somehow or another, it's going to flame out. And it did not in 2016. And apparently some people think it will now, but for legal reasons. So the, the Iowa strategy for Trump is this, if DeSantis loses by double digits, They'll use media surrogates and friendly media to push him out if he decides to stay in. If by some chance DeSantis wins Iowa, they'll try to box him out of any further momentum. And all DeSantis can do, therefore, is basically crush it in Iowa today. That's it. And then let the chips fall where they may. But what you're talking about now is really the formation of MAGA as the establishment. Right? MAGA and you got Trump and you got Haley. And if this is the case, if they've actually done this, I don't know if they've done it. I'm just telling you the rumor. If they've actually done this, then that is the establishment. Because that's who the establishment wants, Nikki Haley. There's a reason they pumped all that money into anti-DeSantis ads. She's the insurance policy for them. So, all right. Uh, well, I should say this first. Hang on. I have a message from Terry regarding the Trump-Haley rumor. Terry says, nope, not going to happen. Uh, And it might not. I don't know. I'm just telling you, this is the rumor that is swirling all around the swamp. Um, So the other day, Vivek Ramaswamy posted up onto the Twitter machine a picture of uh, one, two, three, four, five, six guys wearing these black T-shirts that says, uh, save Trump, vote Vivek. Vivek. And about an hour later, Trump goes on to his Truth Social platform and he says, Vivek started his campaign as a great supporter, the best president in generations, quote unquote, etc. Unfortunately, now all he does is disguise his support in the form of deceitful campaign tricks. I don't even know what that means. Disguise his support for whom? For Trump? Or his supporters? Whatever. Very sly. But a vote for Vivek is a vote for the, quote, other side, quote. I don't know what that means. Don't get duped by this. Vote for Trump. All caps in quotation marks for some reason. Vote for Trump. Don't waste your vote. Vivek is not MAGA. The Biden indictments against his political opponent will never be allowed in this country. They are already beginning to fall. MAGA! Three exclamation points. And this was like the first time that Trump has like even mentioned Vivek, let alone gone after him. Right? I think, well, he may have said, he may have said something like, oh, he's, you know, a young guy or whatever, interesting guy. He may have said something like that. I don't, I don't recall 
any shots Trump has taken at Ramaswamy, though. So Ramaswamy then responds. He says, yes, I saw Trump's truth social post. It's an unfortunate move by his campaign advisors. But you're saying his campaign advisors wrote that? Why? Why would his campaign advisors write under his handle like that? Why would you rob Donald Trump of agency? Why would you assume somebody else is writing that? It's weird. It says, I don't think friendly fire is helpful. Donald Trump was the greatest president of the 21st century, and I'm not going to criticize him in response to this late attack. Okay, well, if he's the greatest president of the 21st century, then why oppose him now? Why are you running against him? If he's the greatest, why wouldn't why would you not want the greatest to be back in? Anyway, he says, I've met 10, and this is the problem with Vivek's entire campaign strategy, in my view, which is like, he's trying to pitch himself as Donald Trump, but you're running against Trump. So why would people ask for the, the dare I say, the pale pastel, right? Why would they ask for the, the, the copy of Trump? You're not famous. Trump is. And that's, I mean, he's, he's, he's got star power. You may be rich, he's rich too. So why would they vote for you rather than the guy that they've already pledged their allegiance to? So I never really understood why people thought this was sort of a serious campaign to peel away MAGA voters, you know, only Trump voters. You're not going to get them. So who are you appealing to? Because if you're trying to appeal to people who want an America first agenda but don't like Donald Trump, or are tired of Donald Trump's antics or worried about the lawsuits and all of that, why would they go for Vivek over Ron DeSantis? Because DeSantis has the track record, has the experience, and Vivek does not. So I, I have always assumed that Ramaswamy's been running for a position in the Trump administration. I don't know what position, but that's always been, that's always been my belief. He says, I've met tens of thousands of Iowans across 390 plus events here. Uh, They're deeply worried. And so am I that this system won't allow Donald J. Trump anywhere near the White House again. It seems like they will stop at nothing to keep him away from power. I'm worried for Trump. I'm worried for our country. I've stood up against the persecutions against Trump. I've defended him at every step. I show dude, loyalty only goes one way, brother. Sorry. Um, I showed up at the Miami courthouse in solidarity following his first federal indictment. I filed a FOIA demand to the Biden DOJ. I submitted an amicus brief this week with the U.S. Supreme Court calling on them to overturn Colorado's ruling to keep him off the ballot. I pledged to remove myself from Maine's and Colorado's primary ballots if they remove Trump, calling on DeSantis and Haley to do the same. But we have to open our eyes. Last time, it was a man-made pandemic and big tech election interference. Now, the same billionaires funding the lawsuits against Trump are the ones trying to prop up Nikki Haley. The same mainstream media blasting Trump is lavishing praise on Nikki. They want to narrow this to a two-horse race between Trump and Haley, eliminate Trump one way or the other, and trot their puppet into the White House. See, so Ramaswamy, he's afraid that somehow Haley is going to beat Trump. Or maybe Ramaswamy has heard the rumor, too. And maybe he doesn't want Nikki Haley getting that Veep nod. We can't fall for that trap, he says. A year from now, we won't look back 
and say we were shocked that it happened, we'll kick ourselves for not stopping it. Our movement must live on. America First didn't start in 2016. It started in 1776. We owe it to our founding fathers to do the right thing for our country. I want to save Trump and to save this country. Let's do it together. You won't hear any friendly fire from me. And uh, and then Trump responded. <laughs> uh, hang on, where is it? There it is. A vote for Vivek is a wasted vote. I like Vivek, but he played it too cute with us. Caucus tonight. Vote for Donald J. Trump. Build up the numbers. In November, we must take our very troubled nation, a nation in decline, back from crooked Joe Biden and the radical left Democrats and thugs who are destroying it. MAGA! And that whole message is in caps. And... Vivek responded. This came in a little while ago. Um, 11.30. I've defended Trump at every step and respect him immensely. You won't hear me attacking him. I'm asking for your vote tonight because I believe it's the right thing for our country. We cannot walk into the other side's trap and watch the puppet masters quietly trot Nikki into power. I don't know what kind of line he's walking here, but I don't. I don't know if... I don't know if it's the best strategy. It just doesn't seem like it. I've got a couple of messages. It's a Pete tweet from Gigi. She says, I'm crying, but I think name. I think this is a, the Trump Haley ticket uh, that this is psyops. I'll be mad if he picks her and absolutely would never vote for her if they're able to force him out for what it's worth. But you would vote for Trump Haley, Right. Like if he names her and he gets all the way through and it's November and we're voting and it's the Trump Haley ticket, you're still going to vote for him with Haley on as as vice president, right? I mean, you kind of have to, which is weird. Like I'm wondering, like how fast will Trump world turn on Haley? Or I shouldn't say turn on her because they they're already going after her. Um, but if Trump names her, All's forgiven. Justin points out that Trump did not give Vivek Ramaswamy a nickname. And so I think this is strictly politics by Trump. It's not personal. That's true. He didn't call him like Vivek the snake or something like that. He didn't come up with some nickname for him. So that means it's really not. It's not like the highest level of of DEFCON. Although. I don't know. He kind of he, he made up names for all sorts of people back in 2016. Maybe it was personal for everybody back then. I don't know. By the way, USA Today reports President Joe Biden's reelection campaign has raised more than $97 million in the fourth quarter, giving the incumbent president a campaign war chest of more than $117 million while his Republican rivals spend heavily in the GOP primary fight. Biden's cash on hand is a record amount for a Democrat presidential candidate at this juncture of the election cycle. Um, what else here? Oh, I mentioned this earlier. The, uh, uh, the expectations game. I mentioned Amy Walter from Cook Political, um, who said she's going to be looking to see if Trump breaks 50% tonight. And look, anything can happen tonight because 
the weather is so cold and so bad that you you and the the caucus starts at like eight o'clock, uh, seven or eight o'clock, and so it's. It, it pretty bad conditions, and if you know you don't have a good ground game to get everybody out, um, then you're not going to do well because the voting is limited. You know, within a certain window. And I have an I have a comparison between the way the Democrats run their caucus and the way the Republicans do theirs. It's kind of funny. It's again why I don't why I call them the Democrat Party. Um, Trump's margin of victory is less important than whether he gets a majority of the vote. It's not just because four of the last five polls show Trump at or about that threshold. For months now, the opposition to Trump has argued that his core base of support is more malleable than it seems. The theory of the case is that while most Republicans like Donald Trump just fine, his floor is somewhere like 35 to 45 percent. Rather than above that. So if he gets above that, if he gets more than half. Right. A candidate capable of putting together a coalition of never Trump Republicans. They make up like 15 to 20 percent, sometimes Trump Republicans. That's about 35 to 50 percent. Right. Somebody who could do that can beat Donald Trump one on one. However, that theory goes out the window if Donald Trump rolls up a majority of the vote. The closest any Republican candidate has come to hitting 50 percent in a competitive caucus was. George W. Bush, in 2000, he took 41%, and he finished 10 points ahead of Steve Forbes. The largest margin of victory in a Republican caucus, that was Bob Dole. Bob Dole's 12-point victory over Pat Buchanan in 1988. George H.W. Bush came in third place in Iowa, and he eventually won the nomination in 88. Right, so... Trump has said he should he expects to beat that margin and we'll see if he can get more than 50 percent. And if the rumor is true, it's because they don't want Trump does not want to get into a two person race. And this and, and so you end up with this prospect of Vivek or Haley playing the role of John Kasich. Which makes perfect sense, <laughs> especially with Haley. That really does. That really does make perfect sense. By the way, the Republicans set a turnout record of 180,000 caucus voters in 2016. It has become even more Republican since then. Will it beat that record from eight years ago? We'll find out tonight.